From the Far East to the Great West, the podcast that celebrates the red-headed stepchild of the Kung Fu genre, Bruce Broitation. Welcome to the Clones Cast. Here are your hosts, Michael and Matthew. Welcome to the Clones Cast. Tonight we're talking about the Black Dragon's Revenge, a.k.a. The Black Dragon Revenges the Death of Bruce Lee. <laughs> Quite the long title. Uh, directed by mouthful. Lu Chin Ku, a.k.a. Tommy Lu Chung. Um, he appears to uh, also be an actor, but he directed 33 films, and he was an actor in 50 films. That's right, he's in this movie. Oh, is he? <laughs> Who does he play in this movie? He's the rickshaw driver they pull around. Uh, in the, uh... No wonder they gave him such special coverage. Yeah, that's right. He gave himself special coverage. Yeah, he sure did. He's like, okay, I want this to be cool. I want to be like chilled out. (laughs) (laughs) They even changed the music when they got to him. It started to sound a little sinister and weird. Like I thought, is this rickshaw driver going to be a murderer? And then no, you know, he's like a a hard time. You know, he's he's challenging. Oh, it's gonna, it's cheap. It's only two dollars. And then of course he gets to be in the comedic scene. Not only that, but just think about it, in that time, early 70s, to then have the black guy pulling you in the rickshaw oh was pretty, into, you know, <laughs> was probably pretty good. Oh, well, let's just jump straight in then, because that is fantastic. I had no idea. Uh, what are your thoughts on uh, the Black Dragon's Revenge? The death of Bruce Lee came as a surprise to the world. The martial arts community was shocked by his sudden death. Kung Fu people especially mourned the loss of their most popular hero. The early reports of his death were unclear and confusing. Man, look at his face. It doesn't even seem like the same person. A Chinese millionaire from San Francisco was willing to pay $100,000 up front to find out the truth. The assignment went to the most feared man in America, Ron Van Cleef, otherwise known as the Black Dragon. When you're investigating the death of the greatest kung fu fighter the world ever knew, you better be qualified. And qualified he was. The Black Dragon, four-time world champion, was definitely the man for the job. Shoe polish? No, that's your Chinese makeup. This makeup? No, baby, it's real shit. As expected, the investigation was intense and was met with great resistance from the Hong Kong organization. So you're the man behind all these punks. It's about time you showed your face. I didn't know you were interested in my face, but I am, you jive turkey. Black Dragon's investigation was relentless. His connection, Charles Lapentero Bonet, the Puerto Rican terror, unsuspectingly, one hell of a Kung Fu man. Something the Chinese didn't expect to see. 
into the Hong Kong underworld and takes no bullshit from any of them. As he revenges the death of Bruce Lee. Coming soon. Rated R. Black Dragon's Revenge. Uh, I think, um, you know, what, what to me what's interesting about the film, because it's obviously... Well, there's, actually, there are some things about it that are, are well made, but for the most part, it's a pretty funky film that, you know, Seraph and Carol Exes actually wrote the script on the plane ride over with Ron Van Cleef on their, and, and Charles Bonnet on their way to shoot it. So when they left LAX or wherever they left from, I guess it was New York, they, uh, they didn't even have a script, but when <laughs> they arrived in Hong Kong, they had one. So, And uh, I would but, say uh, that, that rings true, right? <laughs> Yes, de- definitely. <laughs> so, I mean, what? I, but what I was going to say is what I I kind of enjoy about the film, and this isn't always going to suit with people that are, you know, watching it to be enjoy, you know, make it an enjoyable film. But what I like about it is it was shot in about February or March of 1974. So it's not even a year. It's like nine months since Bruce Lee had passed away. So it's pretty fresh, you know, at that time. And, and so that's kind of a little bit of a historical little piece. And plus, you know, you know, it's. I just love the idea of watching um, Charles Bonnet try and adjust to his uh, <laughs> trying to adjust to being an act. He's one of my favorite parts. We'll talk about him in this film, but he's just he's a nut in this movie. Oh, you know what? He's mine too. Uh, that's awesome. So we'll start out with yeah, Ron. Right. Um, this is my first Ron Van Cleef movie, so I didn't know quite what to expect. I guess I expected Jim Kelly because that's I imagine what they were trying to do. Like, okay, so we got Jim Kelly's the man, and he's yep. the the black dragon. But now we've got the Black Dragon, and and from all stats and stuff like that, Ron Van Cleef is an amazing human being. <laughs> he, he was like a Marine. Uh, he got like the Sharpshooter badge and the Defense Medal, and um, yeah, I, there was this this crazy thing. Um, he he retired in two thousand two after winning the All American Karate Championship at sixty, and he completed over in over nine hundred tournaments over forty years. <laughs> Yeah, it's, he still actually competes every once in a while in like some uh, jujitsu tournaments and stuff. But Freaking I think in hero. Hawaii, hero. Yeah. yeah, he's crazy, man. He's good. He's a he stays with it. Well, actually, his military. He and Charles were both in the military together. Oh. They served together in Vietnam. Wow, that's really interesting. Because yeah, I noticed that um, Charles he didn't have a lot of other credits. No, he, it, Ron got him on this film. That Char, I guess Charles and him served in in Vietnam and, and then Ron went back to New York and opened up his martial arts school and you know started doing his stuff and he actually started getting involved in film work around 69 and then and and Charles came back over and said hey man I want to study with you again they started working together and then when Carol Exes came along and and Ron had done the the Black Dragon which they shot in the Philippines but then when they were getting ready to go do this thing in Hong Kong he said hey I got the guy for you you got right apart and he's you know he's Latin you know he can be your because they wanted to go for this market where they can get pulling the Latins you know and so they they called you know the La Pantera you know yeah. the Panther so that's that's uh, that's what they did oh that's terrific um yeah he was right when he popped up I'm like okay so who is this guy like he was just cheesy enough in the first opening sequence that I thought He's either going to be the guy that's going to be quickly dispatched or he's going to be like best bro. And uh, it's really a, such a funny scene. So 
Ron comes in and he's Ron in this movie, which is just great because it really <laughs> is like these guys, they hired Ron Van Cleef to come and figure out why Bruce Lee died or just Bruce, excuse me, because we're not saying Bruce Lee. Um, he walks in and the dude, um, uh, Lee Po, is, bah, bah, you know, he's doing these awesome moves and he's kind of short, but he's obviously like fit and he, he is wacky. He said it. he looks so crazy and it's so much fun. But then it's like... It's like almost like a sex scene. Ron just starts undressing kind of like stoically in front of him. I'm like, oh my God. I knew what was going to happen, but I just thought this was not well planned. And then, of course, they spar a bit and it's like totally joyous. And yeah, it was a blast. Oh, yeah, there is some slightly homoerotic things when you look at it. Remember, there's another scene later where they get into the apartment, they just both take off their shirts and start <laughs> hanging out together. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly, exactly. And I think, you know, they were definitely into this idea that uh, people need to see Ron's physique because he's sure, awesome, absolutely. Right? Where, you know, and once you put it into practice, it's a little, you know, a little different. <laughs> but, you know, this had a lot of Way of the Dragon things, which we'll talk about. But, you know, there it is, right at the end of Way of the Dragon. Uh, it's two shirtless Chuck Norris and, and Bruce out there, you know, fighting to the death. Yeah, you mean, it, you're talking about the end bit, you mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, so, and I was thinking in this, um, well, there was a part... Um, which I, I don't want to jump too far ahead, but there was a part in this where I, I, I just watched Way of the Dragon, mm-hmm. and there's a part in there you'll remember, uh, the, the boss, he's like, guys, uh, he's like, don't use guns, like, whatever, so everybody has to go out into the back alley and fight Bruce Lee with sticks and knives and stuff so they get their ass kicked, but the same thing happened in this, you know, at one point the boss was like, there are 10 million ears in Hong Kong, do you want them to hear us? Yeah. yeah. No, no Guns? <laughs> guns? Are you crazy? There are 10 million years in Hong Kong, and you want them to hear us? Are you going crazy? Stupid fool. They always got to come up with ways to get out of there and so pull, pull something. So if they don't have a gun, they have a snake. You know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it's always been one of my biggest hangups of uh, samurai films. I hate in a samurai film when somebody brings a gun into a katana fight. I'm like, I, it's such a spoiler. And I get that that's why warfare has changed the way it has over time. But for me, it just takes away from, in, in martial arts, right? The majesty and uh, of, of the real skill of being able to kill the hell out of somebody with your chosen. That's you know, true. But, but you have to admit, Yojimbo and Lone Wolf and Cub both handled it pretty well, yeah, the whole yeah, gun idea. Yeah. yeah, Yojimbo was great. Uh, the sashimi knife in the hand. Uh, and that was one of the ones where I was just like, come on. But yeah, he won. And of course, the bulletproof baby cart. It's awesome. <laughs> it is the best. <laughs> well, this, you know, the, like, again, this film is it's kind of interesting because, like I said, it was early on in this this post-Bruce time, you know, and, there, and it was one of the first real Bruce-ploitation films without having a Bruce-ploitation type actor in there trying to replicate Bruce Lee. I mean, you got this, you know, this black guy and this Latin guy that are doing their own sort of hybrid interpretation of them, but nobody's being fooled that either of these guys are related to Bruce right. Bruce in any sense. Um, but they, um, the, uh, but, but again, you know, you have a lot of this ominous sort of feeling that comes with some of these earlier films where they're still dealing with the fact that he died and how did he die? And, you know, the, you know there's that, I guess even on the line in the film at one point where the other group is 
looking for, uh, you know, wants to get some answers and they're saying, well, you know what the paper said, it's been, you know, and they're like, well, you got to find out your own, you know, find out on our own, you know. So that was still very prevalent at this time and it's kind of seeps into all the movies. Because like we talked about before, the first few years, these films were all preoccupied with Bruce Lee's death. And um, this one, of course, the being the most, well, not that I wouldn't say the most notorious, but, you know, here you have the, the first U.S. poster of this film had... Um, a photo of Bruce Lee, you know, dead in his coffin on the front of the poster. And of course, then they later took it off when they, when that was when it was called the death of Bruce Lee. And then when it became the black dragon's revenge, then they, they removed that picture and put some other photo up. Yeah. And they showed it in the cut that I watched that picture, which is really unfair. Right. Yeah. It is in the film. Correct. Yeah. He pulls it out. So it doesn't even look like him or he makes some comment. Right. About it. Exactly. Yeah. And I, I don't know. And anybody who's actually been to a funeral and seen what they do to the, the bodies of your loved ones, they never look right. So it was just creepy. Yeah. And I mean, and that was the thing about this movie. And I think that's also part of the reason why they kept, they left the photos in. There's obviously scenes where they're referring to the newspapers or the magazine covers and that kind of thing, which I maybe legally they could do, but they never were saying Bruce Lee, you know, even when he goes in the beginning and to get his, you know, get paid. There's like very, for the first 15 minutes of this film, if you didn't know the title of it was, you would not know what was going on. Because (laughs) nobody's saying anything. He's going, what do you need? Well, why do you want to find out? Well, you know, it's like he was, let's say he was a friend of the families. And it's like, what are you talking about? Why are you giving this guy a hundred thousand? dollars you've never met and, and and again i think they were you know just pulling all this stuff out from the dub to avoid getting into any problems legally because it was pretty again it was pretty fresh at the time you know so yeah um and just on a side note the guy that opens the door that lets ron van cleef in in that opening scene that's seraph and carol Exes. he's the guy that wrote the script and oh, you know okay. produced this and the real bruce lee and, oh, and it was Fever, terrible et cetera. Were you expecting somebody else? Yeah, I know. It's like, well, who do you care? <laughs> like, okay, I guess this is where this is going. Now, one thing about uh, Ron. Um, so, I, by the way, I now absolutely love him. I'm gonna, I'll watch him in everything I can get my hands on because I just, I, I do. I read things saying that, yeah, you know, he doesn't have charisma. But his problem is, is that he doesn't know how to act at all. He just he has no idea what he's doing. He all he can do is kind of emote and kick ass. And that's the best because he kicks ass. Yeah, he's pretty intense, that's for sure. And he, he's actually, you know, he and Bruce Lee actually knew each other. And I think he, he was actually hanging out with him just a couple of months before he uh, passed away. Um, but uh, they knew each other back in like 68, 69. He did something in this that you don't see um, a lot of Bruce Boitation <clears throat> actors doing, which, as you know, Bruce, when he popped up, he would hit somebody so hard, like one punch would throw them across the room and they were done. And one good kick and they're just down, you know, the dragon strikes, where... You don't see that often, but um, Ron definitely did that a bunch of times. Like that part where uh, he and Lipo were walking down the street and they just got challenged by five guys. And he was like, you go. And he's like, nah, you go. And it was like over in like like five seconds. You know, he just whammed one guy. And the, the this the bigger dude, he kind of did a double take like, what? And, like they had no idea the, the level of punching that was going to happen or hitting. It was pretty awesome. Well, yeah, and, and apparently when when they when Charles got onto the set when he joined, uh, you know, came up and did his first scene. It's that scene. Remember that scene where they go up on that hilltop and then they're up oh, by yeah. the cars and they use the nunchakus and all that stuff. Well, that was apparently his first scene, and he'd never done fight scenes before, so he was really cracking these stunt guys, and and they got really <laughs> pissed pissed off apparently. So that they uh, 
the, you know, I think, uh, you know, later in the film, I, when I watched that scene that you're talking about, I think that was almost a moment where they probably said, we don't want him to be in the scene. Just make it you. you know? So he <laughs> said, yeah, you just step aside. <laughs> totally. It's like, yeah, earlier he, he totally like broke my spleen. Yeah. <laughs> Ruptured my spleen. I'm going to die tonight. So if there's any way we could just have you hit us, Ron. Uh, yeah, no, that's awesome. Yeah, that was a really funny scene, you know, because <laughs> the guy came up and he was like, um, he'd killed the actual news reporter that was the nephew of an opera lady and none of it made any sense but he comes up and he's got a camera and he's he's taking all his pictures he's like oh yeah that's me you know i'm obviously a news reporter because as you see i have a camera and i'm taking pictures of you it was like right. oh okay well do you have some <laughs> <That> information? was so weird <laughs> it was so weird it was so weird he's like uh, well do you have some information for us he's like well not here let's go let's drive all the way up to the top of a hill it led to this great battle, but then the dude just ran away and left his car up there. <laughs> yeah, no, it, that's this one thing about this film for sure. And this is that, like you said earlier, that you know you can tell that the script was written on the flight over. It's oh, for sure. so much of it makes very little sense. Like I said, for the first fifteen minutes, you still don't know what, who they're after, or what they're doing there. You know, so there's a lot of that going on. But I mean, why I think it's kind of interesting is there's definitely an economy to shooting this movie. I mean, you can just tell that I mean, it's, it's got some poor moments, but it's great for filmmakers. One of the things for me, and I always say this is great for filmmakers to watch these films, because they show you such, you know, great ways to cut corners to get scenes done. <laughs> and not and some of the stuff that you don't realize that they're doing behind the camera is that that where here in America, you know, you set up and you do a wide shot, then you got to pull the lens off and then put a, a longer lens on to do a close-up. There, they would just zoom in. They'd sit in the same spot. Okay, now punch in, zoom. All right, shoot it again, you know, so it would go that fast. Yeah. Um, you know, but um, that, you know, this in this film is chock full of that kind of stuff. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, was that really, uh, what is her name, Betty Ting, Miss Ting? Was that really her house, you think? No, I don't. They didn't actually the house because they like supposedly went to Bruce's house, Bruce somebody. Okay, right? okay. And, and it wasn't real his house. There was actually a, but I, well, I, I take that back because there is one scene of an apartment building that they shot that could oh, yeah. have. You know, I was there one time and it did look a lot like that. So there was definitely some, and it would have at that point it would have been very well known where her apartment was. You know, um, so you know the whole. In fact, one of the things about this film, it opens up in the same way that like the clones of Bruce Lee opens and Bruce Lee, the man, the myth, that same thing with the ambulance rushing to the hospital. And in this particular film, they actually, it's the right hospital. It's Queen Elizabeth hospital. That is where they took Bruce Lee when he passed away. So they did in, in fact get that hospital part, right? So, okay. Yeah. I, it seemed to me they were making such a big deal about not letting anybody come into the house. And then, you know, the one film, they, the one scene they did have, which obviously you wouldn't just pull this off, but they sneak over the, the wall fight each other in the courtyard you like you never go in the house so i wasn't sure if they were just taking advantage of the fact that it was like sort of like not on like not a used house at this point yeah, right was, yeah it was really it was odd too <laughs> that would be good that would have made this movie even better they really <laughs> broke into bruce lee's house and filmed the fight scene right uh, i mean it did it i mean they clearly knew what it looked like because i you know i was there and it did have i, I remember when i was watching and trying to figure out if it was the same place. it was different but it, it it was very close so nice um so i really also liked lipo's assistant who was that gentleman somebody that popped up before his name was mao in this i thought he had a lot of charisma and he was oh, funny the guy down in the um front of the shop you mean yeah 
Yeah, that's uh, Addy Song. Addy Song. Well, I call him Big Little Eye. You know, we talked about him a little bit, and uh, I mean, he's all over the place. We we saw him, and we one of the last, I think it was. Um, I can't remember which one. One of the films we did, he was he was actually in. But he he's even in Enter the Dragon. He's one of the. In fact, there's a. <laughs> it's right, I think, when when Bruce Lee kills O'Hara and he's stepping off of him after he's and it's in slow motion. He's walking away. He's sit standing right behind Bruce, and it's a great <laughs> shot. And he's got that funny little eyeball, and he's like looking at him all strange. That's like, terrific. You just, you just killed our man. You know? Oh, so so appropriate that they like ripped his eyes out in this. Oh, I know. Isn't that a good point? I didn't even think of that. I was so right. pissed, though. I'm like, my notes. They killed Mao. I was like, oh, shit, he's my man. I loved him. Even though he was so funny up to that point, you know, assistance. It always sucks that you get sucked in. But, yo, that was cruel. They shoved him right in the eye with it. I don't even understand what the hell was going on there. It, for, the, for the listener, the gentleman's wearing two rings, one on the pinky and one on the index finger. And they happen to have sort of a circular pokey thing. Like the whole purpose is to punch people in the eyes and make sure they can never see again. But then the same gentleman who was wearing them had to have like kind of a prolonged fight with somebody he wasn't able to punch in the eye. So it made it look really inefficient to have those on your hand when you're just trying to kick some ass. Yeah, no kidding. Well, he and he actually, uh, um, big little eye, he actually um, was his first or second uh, action choreography job was uh, Bruce Lee's Greatest Revenge, which we haven't gotten to, which is actually one of my favorite Bruce Lee movies. So he d- and he also did um, he was the action director on uh, Fist of Fury three with Bruce Lee. So you know he's he's you'll you'll, you'll you'll see him a few times as we go along. All so right, for sure. I'll be watching for him. Well, let's jump to a favorite scenes, uh, one or two. But why don't we just start? What is what was your favorite scene in the movie? Well, you know, it's funny because I know the story behind it a little bit. My favorite scene is when they go have that fight in the night scene. There's a scene where they go and do this this action sequence. And Charles puts a stocking, just a stocking over his face for <laughs> yeah. no reason. Now, the reason I think I, it's just, I mean, that in itself is just bizarre because you're just looking at him. Why do you put this on? I mean, is, is he robbing a bill? I mean, it's just, it makes no sense. But apparently, Sarah from Carolexis, I guess, was just kind of at that point having a hard time with him. So he wanted to mess with him. So he made him put that on in the scene. <laughs> and he did not want to wear it. And so he wears it through the scene. It makes no sense. But it's just, so for me, that that's kind of funny. But on, a, on another note, just on a choreography note, I just think my favorite scene is the last kung fu move of the movie when he kills the bad guy yeah. i mean yeah. that is just the, that's just the best for me totally. okay so i again with that uh, i thought for a moment i thought all right so it makes no sense so the only thing i could think of is they that he put it on one of two things the logical thing would be that he is business owner lee po and he doesn't want to you know expose himself as the the wild leopard or whatever so cool whatever but also there's a lot of racial shit in this so him putting that on, you know, he has a brown face just like the black dragon. So, you know, uh-huh. maybe. Interesting. Okay. Maybe. Right. But, yeah, you know, because he did that later um, when that woman was wearing blackface. He was like, is that shoe polish? She was like, no, it's special Chinese makeup. And then she touched his face and he said. Oh, that's right. Is that shoe fo- Like, is that makeup? And he's like, that's the real thing, baby. <laughs> <laughs> shoe polish? No, special Chinese makeup. This makeup? No, baby, it's real shit. Well, that girl, one of those two girls was apparently Ron Van Cleef's girlfriend while he was in Hong Kong. It makes sense because she had no reason to be in that either. 
They yeah. changed the filming that it had a lot of, um, uh, what is the term for it? It's uh, uh, like lens flare. They, so the scene yeah. changed and they're in this like um, dressing room of this opera singer or something. And everything had a lens flare on it. Like it's even like alternating. And the, it was like we were like going into some like 70s daydream. Um, and of course, Big Little Eyes there. And he's just so happy to be talking to her. And yeah, eventually we get to those weird scenes. And it was really, it's one of those writing things that you were talking about. Because he says to her, he's like, hey, we need your help. We need to know like where to find Betty Ting or whatever. And she says, it was, this was the end of the scene. Oh, I don't know. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> It was like this really big lead up, all this stuff, and then no, I had no idea. Scene change. Okay. Yeah, and 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 the thing is, and this is why it's kind of important to well, important, but maybe too strong a word. But there's many times these dubbings did not always do the original service of the right. the language. You know, there's times where if all you've seen is a dub of a particular kung fu movie, and you're you know you make fun or laugh of the translations, there are sometimes legitimate reasons. Once you go back and see the original, you're like, oh, that's what he was saying. Now it makes sense, or oh, that's not so stupid, or you know. But some, <laughs> sometimes you get these kind of little weird moments where they got to put something in their lips, so they just say something that actually. It's just, it, it just, you know, just to move the scene along, but wasn't really very helpful. <laughs> totally. Oh, that's great. All right. Well, you're going to love my favorite scene because I know you love this too. And uh, Okay. Let's it was, hear it. It was so ridiculous. It was, uh, it was the final battle before the death of Lipo. Um, he's in an alleyway is the setup, and they kind of come at him from both sides, and he's quickly dispatching him because he's a badass. He's, he's, um, He's trained in his own style, you know, which was kind of a connection to Jeet Kune Do. Bruce, yeah. Yeah, so he's kicking ass, um, taking names, and of course there's the cheat. Uh, the girl, so far up to this point, she's been throwing snakes at people. She, I think she even throws a snake at him at one point. He pulls it off and throws it back at her, and he's like, yeah. But she uh, pulls out a blow dart with poison on it. Well, yep. my favorite part comes here. So he's poisoned, and it, it, he should just die, I guess is the idea. But somehow his, like, you know... His chi energy, he just he like triples down with aggression, like just full of adrenaline, and he manages to like take out like five more guys with like the most crazy look on his face before he just like instantly death. Oh yeah, and he does the full on kung fu <laughs> death scene, you know, where they kind of like it's real dramatic and then instant cut off. They're just gone. Yeah, it was awesome. That was the best. It was the best way for him to go. If he had to die, you may as well do something really freaking ridiculous like that because i was applauding <laughs> you were applauding I was, I yeah was. i think there might have been a few people that were applauding yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh it was awesome uh you have a second one you'd like to throw out well i think like i said i think just the the ending of the film the way they they do his the bad guy's death is uh which by the way that that actor and i'm blanking on his name at the moment but he actually was um really a fisherman by trade. And I think it was after, right after this movie, he just said, oh, I'm done with the films and went off and went back to being a fisherman again. Now, are we talking about the final bad guy, which was the guy that hired him or the bald dude? Yes. The guy that hired him. Yeah. Now the guy, yeah, the, the, um, kind of blanking on his name. Some, um, but anyways, he, yeah, he, he, um, it, what, acting wasn't really his deal. So he mm -hmm. was just kind of brought in and, you know, he did this, but, uh, uh, the guy that, that you're talking about, the, the, the bald guy is, um, uh, Mang Fu, I guess I think is his name, or one of his one of his his names, and he um, he actually apparently him and Ron didn't get along too well on this on this shoot, so it was a there was a lot of like issues on this set from what I've heard. I can imagine, but well, he had one of the best uh, uh, 
lines with Ron. Um, Ron's like, so here you are, the man behind all these punks. It's about time you show your face. <laughs> and then the, the guy, I missed his name, but he was like, first off, he's the great creepy. <laughs> the whole time, right? Like every yep. scene, he's just get, like, chuckling. Like, I'm going to start doing that all the time, like at the grocery and stuff, just to put people off. <laughs> anyway, he said, I didn't know you were interested in my face. And Ron said, but I am, you jive turkey. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> oh, this was wonderful. You flatter me. <laughs> so you're the man behind all these punks. It's about time we showed your face. I didn't know you were interested in my face, but I am. You jive turkey. <laughs> Well, they knew they were also making this movie as much for the the forty you know forty second Street crowd and back in New York, which is where it did very successful. You know, yeah, I read a bit about that. Um, how this there were just like certain you know, like grindhouse uh, theaters in in New York, and they that's kind of the birth of the black exploitation. But you know, this in particular, as you've pointed out before, it's black Bruce exploitation. So yeah, it was kind of a perfect thing for them to do to try to mix it up a bit and. It's cool to hear that it was like super popular with these guys. Oh yeah, yeah, Ron, you know, Ron. And I think actually Ron stunt doubled for Samuel Jackson later in Die Hard with a Vengeance. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, stunt doubled or body doubled him or something, but um God, I think awesome. he saw him in this film when he took remember when he took the rock that was thrown at him and he twisted it in his hands and yeah. he broke it. Yeah. yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> well, my second favorite would definitely be because I'd never seen it quite. I expected there to be a final uh, a Nunchako battle, but instead it was the Sai versus the. Um, I actually looked it up. There's a term for it. You know, it's a side handled baton, but when you have two of them, it's some Okinawan term. But yeah, that's. Oh, the Tonfa? Yeah, the tonfa? yeah. You got it. Yeah. 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 So the Tonfa versus the Sai. And I thought that was really cool because yeah, I'd never seen a battle like that. First off, and um, I think the Sai is pretty cheesy, except watching Ron do it, it had a whole level of badassness to it. Yeah, it did, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah. You know, because, you know, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, or you see it a lot in, like, uh, samurai movies, and it's sort of a, there's a guy with a katana, and it blocks it a few times, and then that guy ends up dying. So it's not a, yeah. not super fair, but it, from hand to hand. And yeah, right? and, it, and they are both and they are both Japanese weapons, which is kind of interesting, because, you know, here it is, we're doing a Chinese movie, so. And I think, I, you know what I think it was, actually, I think those weapons were were Ron's. I think he brought a bunch of his own weapons that he was he was good at that they said, why don't you bring over so we can, you know, utilize them in the film. And he may have brought, you know, they both could have been his. Yeah. Oh, and special shout out for um, Ron kicking the shit out of Snake Woman. She was pissing me off the whole time. She's she oh, killed yeah. Lee Poe. She's throwing snakes at people. And she's just like so happy with herself and giggling the whole time. And, you know, in normal movies, the girl doesn't, never gets hit in the face. But there's this point where he was just stunned. She shot a blow dart at him. He caught it in his hand because he's awesome. He ran across the room and she was always like, holy shit, he's coming for me. And yeah, that was kind of the end of her. Well, she was apparently really into snakes too. Like she'd had her own <laughs> snakes, you know. But uh, and and there's actually footage online somewhere, some Super Eight footage on the set that Ron Van Cleef had been taking, where he he did get bit when they were in the alleyway, and she's like yeah. sicking on him. He got bit, and he actually apparently got really sick for two days. Uh, so there was there was a little venom in there. <laughs> 
So somebody we didn't bring up, um, the the old mystical guy that runs the temple with the other martial arts students, I remember him from the Dragon the Hero. Right, was, Chan Lao, the, Chan. the the guy that played the mad dog in the yeah. Dragon <laughs> Dragon on Fire. Yeah, this, exactly. yeah, this one. Yeah. Dragon the Hero, his role in that with the when he would like turn into a dog or whatever. That was that was the best. Yeah. Well this he actually he uh Jason the the lead guy, Jason Powell, I guess he's uh, I forget how he pronounced his last name. Uh, and and Ron Van Cleef were the three action directors on this film. Oh, okay. And Ron only came in as an action director later. He wasn't at first until Jason said, you know what, man, you should come help us choreograph this stuff since you know your system and your style. And so he kind of entered the fray and did the choreography. But in terms of Chan Lao, this was his first uh, job as an action director. Oh, that's awesome. Well, I liked it. I liked how he did the um, the painted, you know, ceramic things and the you did you got ink on your hand, which shows you suck. And I managed to not do it, you know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like a, I know. The little like the masterful things, and of course, it the whole thing ends with the philosophy that he brings of we'll never know how somebody died, really. Yeah, and and that's what's so interesting again about these films. I love why they've been later in my life, why I kind of look back on them. And so, you know, as a kid, there's a multitude of reasons why I was into these films. But as, a, as an adult, I've, it's looking back sometimes historically and seeing how these guys are processing Bruce Lee, you know, yeah. how they and processing not just from a, a standpoint like we're talking about now with his death, et cetera, which is part of it, but processing him as an icon, as a as a interpret him as a as a character, as a human, as a, a martial arts instructor. And and these films all do it so differently in different ways. And it's really kind of interesting to watch, you know, and I think, you know, you probably want to address some of the Bruceisms in this. And, and um, it is that time. I, <laughs> yeah, it's that time. OK, well, there we go. Yeah. So Bruceisms. Yeah, this is uh, one of my favorite sections where we look at our our piece of Bruce Bruceploitation, and we look at all of the places where they brought Bruce in. Um, so I'll start. One of the final moves, uh, it was actually Ron, he does the jump in the air and the stomp kill. Right. Yeah, which, the, of course, the, we saw that. Um, we've seen that in lots of Bruce Lee movies. Well, famously, yeah, Fists of Fury and Enter the Dragon right. kind of are the big two that do it. Yeah, yeah. yeah so he does it to, um, to uh, Bolo, no, not Bolo, uh, uh, O'Hara. O'Hara, thank you. He does it to O'Hara, and then, of course, you said it in Fist of Fury, he does it uh, in the... On the guy's head, yeah. on the guy's forehead, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, a lot of deep theorizing on how he died, which I think is kind of the common element, especially in the ones that are sort of documentary style or that kind of thing. So, you know, in this case, they there was a funny part where somebody said, over sex, and... Um, an older gentleman was like, you know, you don't understand the world. <laughs> like, no such thing as oversex. Uh, um, you know. <laughs> That's right. Um, which the, you'll kind of, which gets played on a little bit too when we get to the dragon lives again down the line. You know, that comes up too as well. <laughs> that he was sick because that was a big deal, right? Like he was caught. He died caught. That's a terrible way to put it. He, he died at a lover's house. That right, he was in a woman's house outside of his his wife's, and yeah. you know, and so it, granted, you know, he it was under the eventually when it came out. I mean, first when it first was reported, they actually said, "Oh, he died in his courtyard at his house," and they quickly figured that within a day or two that wasn't right, and then that became huge news. Like you know, three or four days after his death, he was in Betty Tingpei's apartment, you know, and so it was like a 
you know, a big thing. Not not on one hand, you know, because it wasn't surprised a lot of people in, in the industry because it's sort of like, well, we all do this. <laughs> we all got girlfriends. So what what do you what do you you know what's the big deal? But um, but uh, there was you know I think he had a little bit of this reputation that's made it into a few of these films about just just the, his prowess. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? <laughs> well, you know, I so can he, tell you, I was absolutely blown away when I found out he was a total pothead. <laughs> Because I had grown up with, like, that's a super negative thing. And then eventually I lived in, you know, all these states in the United States that uh, legalized it. And it suddenly became a, a common thing where I can't walk down the street without seeing people smoking marijuana. But at one yeah. point in my life, uh, I had this idea, like, oh, well, you could, you can't be a good athlete. You couldn't be a good martial artist if you're, uh, you know, using illegal drugs. And, of course, you know, he was he was at the right time in Hollywood with all the right people. And, uh, of course, why wouldn't he? Well, you know? and that's the thing you have to factor in, too, I think, with him, you know, is that he, you know, was the 60s. And, you know, Coburn and McQueen, all of them mm-hmm. were doing it. But he also apparently, and I don't know this 100% is the case. I don't, I don't think it always was. But he wouldn't always smoke it. It was more about eating it hash because he didn't uh-huh. want to mess up his lungs, you know. Of course. But his thing was he was so super hyper. I mean, this guy was just always fighting, always training. You know, I mean, I, I think half of his his death was caused by just overexertion. You know what I mean? Right. Um, and so he uh, that was what calmed him down was yeah. eating that stuff. So there was kind of a he wasn't just like, yeah, let's go party. You know, he was it was more about let me just I got to I got to get together here. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, I feel like this really did hit on the sexual repression of the Chinese and you know, of course, that that could be something that would kill you or whatever. You know, the rumors, it's something juicy about it that maybe wouldn't have been such a big deal, uh, yeah. you know, outside. Um, okay, so this next one I thought was really great. Uh, Ron Van Cleef is fighting just a random guy in, it was in that, um, in the bad guy's room. Or maybe it was in the hotel where they found um, dead Betty. But um, he rips the guy's hair out during like a punch and yeah, he doesn't exactly do the blow like Bruce did, but he just sort of ha- lifts his hand up, and you can see the hair is so almost getting stuck on his finger. It's but stuck on his hand. <laughs> <laughs> there's enough breeze that it finally flops off. So it's like I'm gonna do something badass, and then we're all kind of in suspense. Like, uh, is it gonna get stuck on your finger? And then you know, it finally releases. Yep, that was it. That was the way of the dragon, Chuck Norris. Sequence. <laughs> yep, yep. The other way of the dragon one was uh, we talked about it already. The guns, which I thought was funny. Um, and then Nunchakus, right? Um, since that is his thing, up on the hill, they had to yeah, pull them the, out. Yeah, right. They pulled the, you know, which of course at that time that weapon be, was just blowing up because that was the, the one that Lee made look so cool over the past year. So that that had to make an appearance. Yeah, I think um, there was a couple other little little minor points. Just uh, one is the she's you know in Enter the Dragon. You remember when he catches the cobra, he pops it on the head yeah. to get it to flare up and he throws it into the room well it's funny she does that with her snake in this but it's not even a cobra they just get her to hit the snake on the head a couple of times to aggravate i'm like i don't know if that was what you know they were trying to mimic enter the dragon but it was the same thing oh for sure and then of course he's you know we've got which we've seen in a number of bruceploitation films that sort of and i'm you know and this can transcend into other films but the idea of him watching the slides in the beginning. He's watching the slides oh, of Van Cleef, yeah. which again, Enter the Dragon, they're sitting in the room watching the projector. But it was just like, why is he looking at these pictures of him? <laughs> He's just staring at photos of him before he comes <laughs> He's over. He's in the know? lobby waiting. And it's like, yeah. well, just hold on. Hold on. I'm, I'm going to watch out. slides of you. <laughs> yeah. There's actually a very funny scene in a film called um, The Growling Tiger. Um and that it's a it's really the only sequel that was made to Way of the Dragon, where it deals with 
these people going after Tong, Tong Lung, who's the character Bruce Lee played in Way of the Dragon, after his cousin. Or they're looking for Tong Lung, but they end up going after his cousin. But there's a scene in the beginning when there are a group of guys sitting around, like these mafia guys sitting around a table looking at a slideshow, and they're talking, this is Tong Lung here, and it's these all silhouettes of a guy doing fighting. Like, you can't even see who it is because they didn't want to have get problems showing <laughs> Bruce's likeness. Yeah. So here he is, and they're like, oh, that's him? And it's like, you can't even see him because he's just a silhouette. It's really funny. <laughs> that's awesome. Oh, great. Um, yeah, I, I think that covers those. So let's move on. Anything new? Uh, this is, uh, you know, if you have any DVD info. Well, to fi- share I'll tell you what. Final thoughts on this film. I wouldn't, I would not probably throw this as a first one to somebody that wants to get into Bruce exploitation because they might not quite fully grasp what we get into the films about. Because in some ways, this plays just like a straight kung fu movie. You know, it's not like we've got a Bruce Lee imitator in there or, you know, but um, I think. It's definitely one you have to watch at some point again for the reason that it you know was done soon after Bruce Lee had passed away and it was you know the star that you know actually knew Bruce and and some of these actors had worked with him so it it's got that connection to to Lee soon after he died so you know it's worth seeing down the line anyway yeah i would say um very much the same just in that um coming into these as with an understanding of like what are we trying to do with Bruce not just be him like in this case this is really mm-hmm. this follows the the core of we miss him and everybody misses him so we really want to talk about him and we want to avenge him and you know we want to find out what happened so this is still just like deep into that territory before yeah you know, i imagine you get to just the uh, you know the end all of all of that is uh, they call me bruce and you know stuff like cannibal run where you just got an asian guy that's like bruce lee kicking people's butts you know it's just using the likeness where this is still deep in the heart of what went wrong right and you're you're also getting a, what's interesting about it too is there's a slight you know because of the financing and the production there's this american interpretation too going into this where some a lot of these films were straight out of hong kong or taiwan and they were just here's our you know here's our take on this where here you're getting a little bit of this american take on what they were seeing bruce lee as and how they wanted him represented you know or his his legacy or what have you uh when it came back over to the american audience since this was being made at least half in regards to getting it sold into uh, the united states but, uh, yes, yeah, so, great. But, uh, yeah, fun movie. It's, it's got some good stuff in it. You know, at least it's got Ron Van Cleve's real voice in it. So, there you go. Oh, I like that, too. Um, and I I felt like, you know, it was catering. Uh, you know, even though it really was a, a Chinese movie, it did cater a lot to uh, Americans coming in to watch somebody that they know is going to bring the American, you know, like, bravado. Well, anything new? Uh, no, nothing uh, on my end that I can, I've, I've seen, I've been paying attention. I'm just, you know, where we just had, um, well, actually for our documentary that we have coming out, we just, uh, oh my goodness, we were in New York and I didn't get to go, which is unfortunate because one of the people we interviewed was Angela Mao, who's from, uh, Enter the Dragon and ta- when Taekwondo strikes and of course Exit the Dragon, um, um, not Exit the Dragon, a Return of the Tiger, this sort of follow up with Bruce Lai classic legendary actress from you know hong kong cinema and we got a chance to um got a chance to talk to her and another another stunt another you know um stunt man that we had a chance to work with. so we got a couple other really good i'm really i'm so i'm so anxious to get this film wrapped up because we had so much good stuff i mean we still got a lot of film clubs that we have to to bring in and we've we've got some new films that um that uh, you know i actually have been spending a lot of time the last couple of weeks uh scouring 
for um, film prints, you know, because we're trying to, we've got the rights yeah. now to all, we've tracked down the rights to these films and now we're just trying to find good film prints and they're not always easy to find because like we talked about earlier, there a lot of these prints faded and people didn't take care of them. So it's a little bit of a chore, you know, we don't just release something and up, up you know, upgrade to Blu-ray and then have it be really crappy that they can't really do anything with it, so. Yeah, I saw on your Instagram that uh, that cool pile of the film tins. I was like, "Oh man, that's so cool!" Oh yeah, yeah, from Taiwan. Yeah, yeah. it's 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 great. I love it. I mean, that's one thing I've really gotten into in in doing this documentary is it's a, once I started getting behind how they would process these films and the history and how Hong Kong and Taiwan were working at the times. It's just it's amazing we still have these these films, but we're you know we're losing them. So I mean, what what could happen technically is if we don't get out there and 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 get a hold of them and 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 rescan them is that you're basically the best versions you'll get of these really subpar you know cropped youtube versions that we see on t you know on the, online sometimes yeah no oh, that's crazy well and i'll just throw out to um to anybody who wants to see this that uh i happen to watch my copy on amazon prime so if you're a prime member you can watch it for free but good uh, point that's the way to see it yeah the widescreen they got a good they got a very good, good copy of it it was a really yeah. good copy i was like man because you know i went out right away to find a dvd and i ran into that pretty much right away so that was great well i'll throw out another thing uh, michael had brought this up in in a, in a past episode or maybe we brought it up just to me offline but i'll just throw it out there we have a number uh, that you can call uh it's just set up to uh allow you to leave voicemails um but Feel free to. I'd love to hear what you thought of this movie. Um, just thoughts on if you thought I was totally off on something. I don't care. You just leave me a message and, uh, you know, we'll either incorporate that into an episode or we'll talk about what you had to say if you're overly profane. <laughs> but that number is 424-257-0344. So 424-257-0344. Yeah, give us a call, leave us a message, and uh, we will uh, we'll, we'll talk about uh, what you want to talk about, too. Yeah, that's great. Get, get some other takes on this these classics. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I, I'd love to hear it. Uh, well, thank you, Michael. Um, as you know up to this point, anybody who's found us, you find us at theclonescast.com or, of course, at screenmayhem.com. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Till next time. All right, Sai-chen. There we are. Master, all that I've told you and all that you know, what is the real reason for Ruth's death? You asked a difficult question, my son. That I can only answer you, the words of my teacher and his teacher teacher. In my search for the truth, I was told that the sky has unexpected clouds and storms. A man of sudden fortune and misfortune. Nothing depends on man's own dream. His whole life is arranged by fate. Financial needs no weapon to kill a man. As you know, there's only one way to be born, a hundred to die. And a path of death walks men of all ages. And you find out that the universe is ruled by letting things alone.